Welcome listeners to the final installment in my mini Justice League movie review series. For this Saturday review, I am taking a look at Zack Snyder's Justice League. Now I have reviewed Batman v Superman and compared the theatrical and ultimate edition. And yesterday I released my review of Joss Whedon's Justice League. And despite that being a Zack Snyder film, according to the credits and directed by Zack Snyder, a lot of that vision came from Joss Whedon. So this version was just released by HBO Max. If you've been plugged into the movie community, you've probably heard over the past year or two, the hashtag release the Snyder cut where uh, due to tragedy, unfortunately, um, this film is dedicated to Autumn, who was um, Zach's daughter who tragically committed suicide while he was creating this movie. He had to step away for personal reasons, so he never really got to bring his vision to life and fulfill that. And it seemed like that would never come to pass. It seemed like we would just be stuck with this weird, truncated version that was released theatrically. Well, HBO Max became a thing, and they gave him, from what I understand, about $70 million to redo visual effects, to actually finish visual effects, to even shoot some new scenes. And I'll talk about what I'm pretty sure that that new scene is. And um, yeah, to kind of redo this whole entire movie. So I'm going to be talking spoilers for the Snyder Cut. If you haven't seen it, like I said, streaming on HBO Max right now, it came out on Thursday. It is four hours long. It is very long. So if you haven't seen it yet, I wouldn't blame you. Um, it, I did watch it in two sittings personally. So if you don't want the film spoiled for you, because I'm, there's a lot that's different in this movie. I mean, it's essentially a completely different film. So if you don't want to spoil for you, go ahead and click pause right now. Go ahead, take your time and go ahead, check out the film and then come back here and we'll be ready to talk about spoilers for Justice League. So one of the first things that I'm really glad that Snyder did was kind of ditch this weird opening with Batman where he's like, hanging this bank robber or whatever over a building to get his fear to get a parademon in order to figure out where these mother boxes are i thought that scene was awful so that's one of the main differences um, that i noticed um, at least right off the bat also there's an opening montage in the joss whedon version with a weird song and just weird stuff going on that's nowhere to be seen here thankfully in this cut so right off the bat you'll know this is a very different version. First of all, it's in 4-3. Snyder changed the aspect ratio. According to him, he, he likes the idea of the IMAX ratio, and so he was trying to recreate that for uh, home viewing. I didn't really feel that IMAX feeling whatsoever. 4-3 um, was kind of strange, but after a while, you get used to it. Um, also, he recolored this film, so it's very dark darkly lit, I should say. So hopefully your TV can handle dark scenes and has good black uniformity because there is it's very dark looking. It's more in line with Batman v Superman and how it looks, but it looks even a little darker, I would say, which goes along with the tone of the film of Superman has now died. And that's how this movie actually opens up, which was very surprising to me. It opens up with Superman dying in the hands of Doomsday and how his cry has kind of sent out this shockwave throughout the universe 
which is what kind of awakens the first mother box and alerts Steppenwolf that Earth is now very easily conquerable now that Superman is dead. And so we kind of get a different take and different look at Superman dying, which I thought was very surprising. So something that I think was a smart move, which helps make this movie probably a bit more digestible for audiences, is that this is done in parts. Um, there is title sequences in between different segments of this movie. There are six parts with an epilogue. So I watched up until, I think I stopped at part three the other night, and then I came back and I watched the rest of the movie. Not because I can't sit down and watch a four-hour movie. I love Gone with the Wind. Um, I just think this is a good idea that will make it more digestible for home viewers. And I think this is a very exciting idea as well, because no way would Snyder have been able to release a four-hour cut in movie theaters. From what I understand, the studio mandated 120 minutes. That's why this movie is twice as long as the theatrical version. So we would have got, nevertheless, a more compromised version in theaters like we did with Batman v Superman. And I'm guessing this cut would be at least close to what he probably would have put out on home video if he would have gotten the chance. So the reason that I say this is exciting is because with streaming services, they can just put out four hour movies or even three and a half hour movies like The Irishman. They can put out movies that are very long because people can go to the bathroom without missing anything. They can get through it on their own time and they're able to enjoy these epic stories without just wasting their time in the theater with a compromised version like is the case I talked about with Batman v Superman. Oh, so make sure to check out those reviews. Links in the description below. And like with Batman v Superman, he is really trying to create an epic story. He's making it still very comic book-esque, but epic in the fact that this is involving a lot of characters and it's dealing with a lot of themes, a lot of Christian themes, imagery. He's really drawing upon um, stuff that we've seen before in other movies or even archetypes in ancient stories. And he's really trying to craft something huge. And so I think that's why he really needs this four hour runtime to tell the story. I think, you know, that might scare a lot of people and shock a lot of people to see that this movie is four hours and two minutes. But personally, I never felt like it was that long. Granted, I did watch about the a little over the first hour and then come back and watch three hours, but I think the pacing of this movie actually flows really well. And while you're watching this movie, especially if you've watched the Whedon version in, uh, you know, previously, not too long ago, you'll see that these movies are very, very different. There was so much that was cut out of this movie. The editors, Whedon, I don't know who all did it, the studio took a Ginsu knife to what Snyder had. And they really didn't try to recreate his vision or stick true to his vision whatsoever. They mostly just, um, because like I mentioned, the theatrical version is a very fun, lighthearted movie made for kids. I think 10-year-olds are really going to enjoy that one. It really should be PG, I would say. Um, sure, some of the creatures might be scary. This is actually rated R. This is, Snyder is saying this is for adults. This is much more hard-hitting. It's far more violent. There's lots of more blood. 
Um, there's a couple F words in this movie. So this is kind of where Schneider lives. If you've seen any of his other movies, he's tried the PG-13 route before and it doesn't really suit his vision. Um, he's usually more comfortable in the R-rated territory. And that's what we get here. Um, there's a there's some reminiscent stuff of 300 with the Amazonians that was missing. That is really cool. Um, the design of Steppenwolf is totally different. It's far better. I am so happy. Probably the thing that one of the things I'm most happy about is that we get to see Darkseid quite a bit in this movie. And he does some really cool stuff. And that um, ancient battle that we see, that's not Steppenwolf fighting. That is Darkseid trying to claim the Earth. So it's really awesome getting to see him do a lot of stuff. Um, some of the other stuff that I'm so grateful for is Cyborg is actually a character in this movie. I think that's some of the stuff that was probably missing the most in the theatrical cut is there's tons of stuff with Cyborg and his dad Silas that was missing. And in fact, in this cut, Silas gives up his life to help them out. Whereas in the theatrical cut, he lives and they just don't have much of a relationship whatsoever. Also, the Flash is given more to do here. He is very funny. His, his, um, comical lines are retained and he's even given a couple more funny stuff, which I thought brought a little bit brevity to this movie, which I appreciated. Um, there is a crazy scene at the end, um, where Flash turns back time because Cyborg is too late in um opening up the mother boxes they fuse together earth is essentially destroyed but flash goes faster than the speed of light to turn back time which then cyborg goes into the mother boxes and separates them in this really bizarre scene you kind of have to see it to believe it and then aquaman spears steppenwolf with his trident and wonder woman decapitates steppenwolf and they send him back to the planet Apocalypse at the feet of Darkseid. It is an awesome scene. It's shocking. And that was one of my other complaints last time is it's so babyish to not have this horrible evil villain who's like committed so much murder to not have him die, to just have him be kind of swarmed by his uh, parademons because he's in fear now. And then they just carry him up into his you know, teleportation thing. It was really dumb. But thankfully, they've really corrected that here. So as you've probably been able to infer from what I've been saying here already, this is a totally different movie. It really is. These movies are night and day different. They look different. They have different scores. Um, Danny Elfman's score is completely gone. This is Junkie XL or Tom Hul Hulkenberg, I believe, is how he's credited. His real That's his real name. I actually find his score to be a lot better than Danny Elfman's. I did say that I liked Elfman's score, but this just feels so much more cohesive. Um, you'll notice when you watch this movie where all the missing gaps are filled in. And there are so many. The other version was so chopped up and so truncated. Um, scenes that were just kind of dumb and felt very kiddish, like uh, the fight in the abandoned tunnels under Stryker Island. That's a lot. The Flash has a lot of more stuff to do. He's not scared like he is in the theatrical cut. Um, the fight is uh, far better. Aquaman's introduction. I like that. I think some people will be asking, though, with a four hour movie, is there any fat that probably could have been trimmed off? And I would say there's probably a couple scenes that 
it's just connective tissue that isn't quite necessary. We could still get what was going on. But nevertheless, I think it really is necessary. Actually, this is not really much fat. This is Snyder's vision. Um, there is a little bit of fat at the very, very end. And I'll talk about that. I'll save that for the very end of the review. But that's probably the only thing that I think we could have done without. Something else is Lois and Martha. Martha's really not in it um, much more than she is in the theatrical cut. But Lois is. Lois is depressed. We understand more of her mental state and where she's at. She ha hasn't gone to work. Um, the world is just a very different place without Superman. And that's why I like that this movie does feel different than Batman v Superman because something really has gone out of the world. Things have really changed. So at least Lois's place in this movie makes more sense. She was essentially worthless, I would say, in the theatrical cut. But when they, even when they go to the farm in Kansas, that's recontextualized into a much more nice emotional scene. And a lot of this really silly stuff that they put in where she says, I wish your recovery would have lasted longer so we could have spent more time together. That's gone. That line is gone. Uh, it makes much more sense. I'm, I'm really glad to see that. But I think the thing that's most important about Zack Snyder's version is that this crew that assembles they act much more like a team or like Justice League than they ever did in the other one. Because there's a line in this one that says, Batman says, I don't care how many demons in how many hells he's fought. He's never fought us united. That line, as far as I can recollect, is not in the theatrical cut. And in that theatrical version, they just fight together because the script demands it. Um, which is really disappointing because there is so much here where they're working out plans together. They're doing like everything as a team. Whereas in the other one, you wouldn't really know just, just seemingly going off to do random tasks or seemingly tasks on their own. But I'm so glad to see that this team works together and Batman character is more redeemed from the last one. Because his like rage is really gone. It's really shaken um, because his character abandons the cold rationale and he hopes in faith more than he ever did in his, you know, crazy ways of I'm going to take matters into my own hands. And like I mentioned, when they do have this Russia fight at the end, they have a much better plan of Flash trying to go the speed of light to energize Cyborg to push him into the mother box. That was missing from the theatrical cut. And just the Russia fight in general is so much better. The ugly red coloration is gone. And everything everybody has something worthwhile to do. There's an awesome new fight with, or at least it's longer anyway, with Steppenwolf, Aquaman, and Cyborg. That is, uh, and Wonder Woman, if I didn't mention her. Oh, it's awesome. And Superman's introduction is fantastic to the fight. And we actually know how Superman knows how to get there. Um, there is this really awesome scene where he goes into the ship and he hears, you know, in his mind, the voice of Jarrell and uh, his father, Kevin Costner's character, and how they're just telling him, kind of reinstate, reinstating in him his purpose here on Earth. And he chooses the black suit, which is really cool. And he visits Alfred and Alfred tells him that he's in Russia and that's how he knows. And the other one, he just magically shows up. But 
in the theatrical one, Steppenwolf throws the axe and really hurts Cyborg. But in this one, he throws the axe down and it just hits on Superman and Superman just looks at him and says, I'm not impressed. And he just shatters Steppenwolf's axe. It's a really awesome scene. So the entire Russia fight is redeemed. Thankfully, the family is gone, which was such a weird choice in the theatrical version. The other thing that I thought was very surprising with this version is Wonder Woman really protested in the theatrical cut about bringing Superman back to life. Only Aquaman kind of has this worry about it, it seems like. Um, but they're all kind of on board with doing it. Also, when they are about to do it, Cyborg, I think through the power of the Kryptonian ship, kind of has this premonition of the Justice League being murdered by Darkseid, of them all dying and how, and even how Lois will die. We see Superman holding some like charred remains and how he essentially becomes a slave of Darkseid and he's holding Batman's head. It's really crazy. Um, not all, none of all of that is missing. All of that is missing. So this puts everything into a much different context. Um, also, even when Superman is resurrected, the music is different and it's intercut with Lo Lois reclaiming her life at the same time. So it makes it much more poignant that Lois is kind of coming back to life at the same time Superman is as well. And speaking of music, I already touched on it's a different score, but there are a lot of different music choices in this movie that feel far more in line with Snyder's what he's done before. Like I'm particularly thinking of Watchmen, even Sucker Punch. but there are very somber choices at times to just show these characters don't really have much purpose to their lives. Um, it's not just this blown out, you know, rock soundtrack all the time like the theatrical cut was, which really didn't give us much emotion except just to jazz up a 11 year old and make them excited. But these choices have a lot more meaning. Um, there's this really kind of haunting scene actually, where the flash saves this girl who gets in a car accident and it's really beautiful and slow. And at first I was unsure about it, but the longer the scene goes on and how kind of touching it is, it, it does become very haunting actually uh, with where he goes with it. I will say I'm still not crazy about the Superman resurrection fight. It is a little better. Um, he does heat vision Batman twice and Batman's able to deflect the heat vision with his um, gauntlets, but it does up the stakes where Superman's like, I'm done. I'm, I'm just going to straight up kill you. Um, that was surprising as well. So I, I was never really crazy about that fight, but it's fine. But before I get to the last thing that I think is kind of strange and mildly unnecessary in this movie, um, there is a different epilogue to this. Lois's story that she's writing is gone. It didn't really make a whole lot of sense in the theatrical version. In this one, it's more poignant because Cyborg rebuilds the tape recorder that he smashed earlier of his father talking to him. And now that his father's passed away, his father's monologue isn't great, but it is better because we leave everyone on a better note. Um, Diana is, if I didn't mention already, um, when Diana tells Bruce about Darkseid coming to the Earth, she uses the arrow that her mom shot and that unlocks a secret underground place where she sees like these Greek 
paintings of Darkseid and this buried history. And that's how she's able to relay it to Bruce. I think the voiceover she does is really bad. I, that probably was re-recorded is my guess. But coming back to the very end, um, it shows these characters at much better places in their lives through um, Silas's father's monologue. It's a good thing. A uh, good way to leave these characters on. I do like this um, kind of ending a lot better, but there is two other endings after that. And that's Lex and Deathstroke. That scene is still here, but it has different dialogue because Lex gives Deathstroke um, Batman's name, Bruce Wayne. So I think that was originally supposed to set up um, the Batman, the Ben Affleck standalone movie that is never going to come probably. Um, and then the movie ends with Bruce having another dream. You don't know it's a dream, but they're in the wasteland, the dark side wasteland of Earth again. And he's teamed up with Mira from Atlantis. And we're pretty sure that um, Aquaman's death has actually come to pass from that vision because she says she's going to avenge him for what he did to Arthur. Uh, Flash is there in his suit we saw in BVS. Cyborg, Deathstroke has teamed up with them, which was surprising. And what's most surprising is all is that there is a truce between Batman and Joker. Joker has teamed up with Batman to stop Darkseid. The Joker really gets under his skin, though, about talking about how he murdered Robin, which is something we saw Robin's suit, that he was dead in the Batman versus Superman. And then we also learned that Harley Quinn is dead as well, and Batman said that harley asked him to kill joker batman says the f word never i don't think i've ever heard that before um and then the scene ends with evil superman dropping down and of course it calls back to how batman let lois die and it's just really all his fault and we just will never really understand that part of the movie even though it's been brought up so much that scene goes on for a while and you're just not really sure where it goes, especially the little dialogue between Batman and Joker. I wasn't crazy about it. And then it ends with him waking up and you can tell this is the reshot scene where he uh, clearly Ben Affleck's lost a lot of muscle mass. He is visited by none other than Martian Manhunter, whom we saw revealed earlier in the movie um, when he impersonated um martha kent to help lois lane kind of come back to the world um because they've had a relationship in man of steel and batman v superman um martian manhunter i don't remember he plays some kind of general in the uh u.s army so you can see that he cares for her clearly that's something that they're setting up for uh, more of a relationship in what would have been the sequel to this movie but he visits bruce after that and says I've realized that I've got a stake in this world and I want to help you. I was kind of hoping we would have saw Martian Manhunter fight them with Steppenwolf at the end. But and that's really it. That's really how the movie ends with Martian Manhunter flying away and with Bruce just kind of like, well, I'm excited that somebody else is going to join the Justice League. It's a bit of a weird ending. Um, and then, like I said, it's dedicated to it says for Autumn. And then it's a piano instrumental of the song Hallelujah Play. It is a very somber way to end this movie. And it makes sense because of the tragedy that Zach and Deborah went through during this movie. And it is, like I said, dedicated to his daughter. But at the same time, it's Zach saying goodbye to 
a film that he never really got to finish and a series that really was taken away from him. It all started with Man of Steel and pretty clear the studio made him make some compromises with BVS and then he never got to finish this movie. And unfortunately, it really does seem like Whedon and at the studio, I don't know how much we can blame Whedon, but the studio at the very least did not honor his vision at all with this movie. So it only seems fitting that he did get to finish it and he did get to say goodbye to this series, which, you know, would be very hard for a director to have so much personal tragedy tied up in this movie. And so it really was kind of great. I'm so happy that he got to come back and finish this movie and just put out the vision that he really wanted. And now all the fans are satisfied. The Snyder Cut is complete. I never thought we would see this day. It is really cool to see this movie, not just because I think it's a good movie and it really does correct um, what was wrong with the last one. I would be really unhappy if somebody put my name on that Justice League movie because it's nowhere near his vision. It is such an inferior product of what he wanted to do. But I also like this for the fact that I love extended cuts. I love alternate cuts, director's cuts and whatnot. I love examining the differences. And that's what I've tried to do here is give you the differences and show you how Zack Snyder's Justice League is far superior to the theatrical version of Justice League that we got. And it's vastly different as well. It is a completely different movie, I will say. And it's so much better. But it is cool to go in and see the differences. So when it comes out on 4K, which it hopefully will, I'm sure it won't for a while since HBO Max is going to really hold this on as a selling point as why you should sign up for their streaming service. But I definitely will own this. I already own the theatrical cut on Blu-ray. I can't wait to own the Zack Snyder version on 4K. So for me, I'm giving Zack Snyder's Justice League seven stars out of 10 with a solid recommend. I don't think this is a great movie. I think Batman versus Superman is a great superhero movie. I don't think it's quite as good as that one because this really is its own story, thankfully. So you could watch this as one contained film, even though I don't know why Snyder, I, I don't know why he included some of that stuff there at the end, just to show you what could have been, unless he really, he did go back and reshoot it actually, because Jared Leto came back to reshoot scenes as the Joker. I don't know really why he did that. It almost feels like he's teasing us of what could have been, or maybe he could be trying to start another campaign to get him hired on to do a next Justice League film. This isn't in canon anyway. So uh, like Aquaman, Birds of Prey, Shazam have nothing to do with this movie whatsoever. It's completely out of canon. So I'm curious, you know, what people are going to think of this movie. I will say right now on IMDb, it has a 8.6 rating out of 65,000 ratings. I don't know. It's pretty amazing. 65,000 people have seen this already. It's very possible. But this very high 8.6 so far has put this as the 77th greatest film of all time on IMDb, which isn't much of a surprise. I mean, people were just going gaga over this movie. Couldn't wait for it. Critics, on the other hand, are very mixed. It seems like on this movie, it has a 55 meta score. Um, 
so some people really love it and some people are saying it's just kind of a still a very messy movie still a kind of a needless messy film oh well you know where i stand i don't think it is as deserved to be as high as an 8.6 but i'm a little surprised that metascore isn't a little better over on rotten tomatoes critics have out of 193 reviews have given it a 75 percent which i'm really happy to see it's been redeemed audience scored a 97 percent over 10,000 ratings over there um so yeah this is pretty good to see that critics are really latching on to this movie especially since they didn't like um batman v superman and they definitely did not like the original justice league which has a 40 percent critics rating and um on imdb the original justice league has a 6.3 so Everybody all around seems to say this is the vastly superior version, and it really is. Um, even though the meta score isn't much different, the original has a 45 meta score. So, listeners, I want to know what you think. Have you had the time to see Zack Snyder's Justice League, which now takes his place as one of the longest films of all time, making this snyder's longest movie he's ever made yes even longer than watchmen the ultimate cut is long i think the pacing is right it flows well i think people who enjoy these heroes will really like this movie and i'm glad that they're able to sit down and watch it in parts if they so choose i think that was a really smart idea so i'm curious what do you think does this make you want to see another a follow-up to this movie i gotta say I really want to see it because, yeah, this clearly leaves it open that Dark Side is coming to Earth, and I really want that movie. I do, and I don't think it's ever going to happen, unfortunately. Um, there is two animated films. There's Justice League War, and there is Justice League Apocalypse. I know Apocalypse is rated R as well. So those are animated, but they're clearly driven towards adults where that could be the sequel we never get. To this unfortunately well listeners thank you for coming along with me as i have well kind of been your guide in a way i not only reviewed these movies but i also really broke down the differences between all of these different cuts and why they were better that's really something i enjoyed doing i hope you enjoyed listening if you did make sure to subscribe alan and i are starting our taken movie review series this monday just in a couple days uh, we finished up our tom and jerry movie review series think goodness and of course if you have missed the previous two reviews go back and listen to those in this justice league series you won't want to miss those well yesterday servant season two emma Shyamalan's tv show wrapped up i will be reviewing that next saturday so if you haven't seen it you now have plenty of time to go ahead catch up watch that show and then look for my review i know yesterday also um captain well not captain america it's um falcon and winter soldier the disney plus the new marvel disney plus show has kicked off i've seen that first episode i will be reviewing that show as well once it ends just like i did with wandavision so if you haven't heard my review of wandavision i will link to that down there as well of course We've reviewed uh, the Dark Knight trilogy. We've reviewed some other superhero movies as well. All of that is in the description below. It's linked down there. So you're definitely going to want to subscribe. Uh, once we're done with the Taken reviews, we are going to jump back into Godzilla. I know Godzilla versus Kong. 
comes out next week. Alan and I aren't reviewing that next week. That'll be into next month. Um, we wanted to do the Taken movies first and make sure everybody had time to get to see these new um, Godzilla movies and catch up with it. But listeners, thanks for coming along with me. This has been fun to do a mini review series on my own here, kind of in the tail end of the week. So I hope you enjoyed it. Make sure to share it with friends and family. We love talking about movies and we love talking about them with you. Don't forget to comment. The question after the show is, what do you think of the Snyder Cut? I'm just curious. Is it better or worse? Maybe you just don't care. Maybe you don't think that there really needed to be a cut and you actually prefer the theatrical cut. I know there will be people that want that theatrical version. So thanks for coming along with me, listeners, and I will see you on Monday with Taken. The Silver Screen Guide podcast is edited and produced by Alan and Corbin. Intro and outro music is created by Thomas Rankin. The thoughts and opinions herein expressed are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those held by Silver Screen Guide. Silver Screen Guide is not affiliated with any company or individual involved with the creation of this movie or TV show. No portion of the podcast may be used without express written permission from Silver Screen Guide.